0: Hello, I'm your host, Effie Pilarino, and today I have a very special guest, uh, uh, Kier Finlow-Bates, who is one of the big stars in my book, uh, and I hope many others, Um, around blockchain. He has uh, a super, uh, super, super talent to explain concepts that are philosophical and technical, in a very business-like fashion, I will welcome you first of all here to to our show and to our guests, and I, I will continue to say more about you. First of all, welcome.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here.
0: Well, you 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 are the founder of Chain Frog. Uh, this is a company you'll have the opportunity to explain more that does blockchain research and development and uh, very much specialized in intellectual property. I know you from the early days of the crypto blockchain digital assets industry, because I was watching your uh, YouTube channel called ThinkClair, where you walk in the forest and talk about decentralization. And I've been very much inspired by your talks when I want a bit of uh, a thinking or intellectual challenge. I do that and I follow you on on uh, LinkedIn. And today we're going to focus on a topic that is quite important, that is staking. Proof of staking and, and staking uh, cryptocurrencies and what is that all about and how it relates to banking. So, uh, let's let's take a deep dive in it. Can we start with you explaining to us what staking is all about, and is it really uh, an innovation in depositing, and instead of depositing our digital assets at a, an authorized participant like a a bank or a financial licensed financial institution, mm-hmm. we are depositing them at what I like to think the God's protocol, you know, <laughs> the, the 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 blockchain is is that the way. And I know this is a big topic. Can you introduce us mm. to how to think about this?
1: Right. Well, I mean, I think the simplest definition of staking is where you have a system where you people can take their digital assets and they can lock them up in a smart contract or in a system. Um, presumably for some rewards it's as simple as that you have assets and you are uh, providing them almost like a deposit or like a um, like when you go and rent a car and you have to put up some money um, at the car rental place before they let you drive out and then at the end of renting the car you come back you return the car you get your deposit back so staking is meant to function kind of like that and the Instead of a car rental, you have typically a smart contract on a blockchain that holds those assets and will only release them back to you uh, when the right conditions are met. And then, of course, you have to ask, well, why would people do that? And they do it to obtain uh, rewards, the equivalent of uh, interest that is paid um, when you deposit money with a bank. And, And this is where the problem arises, because there are two kinds of staking there is staking that is actually performing a valid service and then there is staking that is a scam that is nothing better than a ponzi scheme and the problem that stakers have in crypto and blockchain is that it can be very hard to determine whether you're looking at something that is actually genuinely of value or whether it isn't which of course is always the case in investing
0: now, here, let's take a very concrete example. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Ether. Nothing, right. you know, about that blockchain, but it's, you know, the most recognized one where you can stake mm-hmm. your Ether as the consensus mechanism is proof of stake. So yes. you and I can stake our Ether. And when you say um uh, we get rewards for what for performing some task, like mm-hmm. I don't know, yes. a, a, um, it's it's like a bounty type yeah. of uh, a situation, or is it because, like in traditional banking, when you deposit your money, on the other side, the financial institution lends it mm-hmm. out, and and so on. And, and by the way, I have personally experienced this because you only learn when when you try things, right? Right, absolutely. Instead of reading about them. Uh, so, so explain to us uh, uh, that type of situation.
1: Okay, so I happen to think that Ethereum staking is one of the valid examples. And with Ethereum staking, what you are supposed to do is take 32 Ether, which is a substantial sum, today's prices and lock it up in a smart contract on the ethereum blockchain and you are supposed to run a validator. So that's you're supposed to have a computer that is connected to the internet 24 7 and it is participating in maintaining and extending the ethereum blockchain. It, the parallel would be bitcoin with the miners. So yes. uh, a validator so you're is really like a
0: participating in yes keeping the network secure and, and in activity and so on.
1: Indeed. And you put up the 32 Ether. If you don't maintain your validator, you get punished. In the same way that if you bring a car back to the car rental and it's been damaged, they will take money out of your deposit to cover that. So there, and the question is, well, why would you do that? Why would you run this this server? It's going to be expensive to have a 24-7 server um reliably running you're probably going to host it in the cloud it's so there's going to be a cost there you're taking 32 eth in capital that you could be investing somewhere else and locking that up and the answer is that every time another block is added to the ethereum blockchain the validators get a a bonus for doing so And uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what percentages it works out at, but I think it's like 5% or something. Anyway, people watching can look it up. But there is a kind of almost guaranteed return as long as you keep things running. And of course, a lot of people can't be bothered with running the infrastructure. So you can outsource that by joining a staking pool. And that's what a lot of the crypto exchanges do. So in a sense, this has some parallels with banking because I could, if I have money, become a loan shark. I could go and lend it to people, but that's a bit of a pain in the neck. So it's better for me to deposit it with the bank and receive interest on it, and the bank will do the work of lending my money out. And of course, they're gonna lend it out at a higher interest rate to the borrowers than I get as a depositor, um, because, well, I mean, you could obviously see if they paid more interest to depositors than they did for loans, uh, charged for loans then people would borrow as much money as they could and deposit it. So, um, yeah. Um, but the banks, of course, then use fractional reserve banking to take the deposit, lend it out. And then when it's loaned, the borrower usually gives it back to the bank as another deposit. So they multiply the amount of money they have. Um, but, but that aside, yeah, it's staking in Ethereum. It's a bit like the, your ether is like capital. It's like a factory your validators like the machines in the factory producing products and the products that come out in the end make you money Um, and there is a queue then if you decide you want to quit and put your money somewhere else you you have to put a request to withdraw your stake and it takes time for that to be processed and this whole uh, system has a purpose to it it's uh, as you know as you said it it secures the network it means that the whole system keeps chugging along with transactions being processed and added to the blockchain
0: yeah so and and what about the other type the what mm-hmm. you call irresponsible or right. scammy or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know Irresponsible, uh, let's call it, it's it's very diplomatic, I must say. Yeah,
1: I think irresponsible. Well, in the early days, there were projects that were implementing the system because they were copying what they saw other projects doing without thinking what the implication is. That's why I I hesitate to say at a blanket level it's a scam because that implies that it's intentional. But really, they should have taken more care. Um, And that irresponsible staking... The typical case is you have a project, it issues a token. Let's say, for argument's sake, they issue 2 million tokens and they put a million of them on the market and people buy them. Um, Now, the project founders would like to see the token price appreciate. And one of the techniques for doing that is staking. They offer this uh, opportunity to people who bought their token to stake them in a contract to lock them up and get rewards and the reason why the founders want to do this is because by reducing the circulating supply according to the laws of supply and demand the price of the token should rise and then the question is where do they get the money from to pay the rewards to the people who are staking and the answer is they use the second million that they held back and hand those tokens out as rewards. And what that means is if you are participating in this project as an investor and you don't stake your coins, you are effectively being diluted.
0: diluted yes.
1: It's like uh, with shares in a company. When if, the share, if the company issues more shares, um, the people who had shares find their percentage stake in the company is reduced. Now, with a company, you can do that because the company's value may be substantially increasing if the shareholders of the board vote on it, that's fine. Um, what is happening in these um, staking scams is that the staking has become a trick to artificially inflate the price. And it's not sustainable. That's why it has elements in common with a Ponzi, because they're using these tokens they held back to pay the investors who stake and encourage the investors to engage in a behavior that should, in the short term, increase the market price. But in the long term, it's really meaningless. Um, and
0: and, and I, this also reminds us uh, here that uh, there is a difference between investing in a token and investing in the company mm-hmm. I- it's, uh, itself. I mean, theoretically, they should um, have some uh, proportional relationship, but, mm-hmm. but not, uh, it depends on the tokenomics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well,
1: some companies, uh, some projects, uh, seem to be so focused on the tokenomics, you wonder what the actual real purpose behind the project is. I mean, it would be like a company being so focused on the day-to-day share price of the company. That they made all their decisions solely on the basis of what they thought the share immediate impact on share price would be and that means you end up with a company that is not forward-looking uh, companies should be expecting their share price to go up by their success not by some kind of clever market um, manipulation on behalf of the um, chief executive officer and it, it's a problem we actually see in companies when you have ceos who've got a big um share compensation package and it's tight to say four-year period, that makes a lot of CEOs only look four years into the distance. And, of course, four years in tokenomics terms is really, really far because a lot of these scammy projects are looking in terms of weeks or months before they expect to be able to exit.
0: Yeah. And this also you know, uh, it, it reminds us that the agency problems that have been recognized for years in traditional finance, right, Mm -hmm. with the financial incentives, with, you know, um, shareholders delegating to managers, CEOs, and so on, Mm -hmm. Uh, the decision making, what are the conflicts of interest, and how can regulation, especially in public markets, correct these, and we know Mm -hmm. that we don't live in a perfect world, and even these much more mature markets, in the sense, at least, of Having a very long history, um, uh, they haven't solved it. But it mm-hmm. it's saddened us to see this kind of existing in uh, in the new world of of blockchain, where it's it it's trying to um, advance the way governance is done. Mm-hmm. Whether it's an app, a, a business, it doesn't it doesn't matter whether it's a Whatever the business model is, and, and we see that the problems persist in a different uh, in a different yeah. uh, form. Of course, we could have a whole discussion around <laughs> that. So let's go back to to staking. What about stable coins? Are those also um, a, a part of the staking world? Can one stake stable coins? Is that a market?
1: Well, technically, you can write a contract that allows you to stake stable coins. So there's not a a kind of physical impediment um, to having a system where stable coins can be staked. The question then has to be, for what purpose would you provide stablecoin staking? And uh, I think the only relevant one I can think of off the top of my head is um, either the uh, not uh, or, or, or actually several of them and the lending ones are there um make a DAO, things like that where you you could stake a stable stably priced digital asset um and the protocol could then lend it out um and charge interest and then by staking that stable coin that stable asset you would be making a small profit um so uh for example make a DAO, um by uh, you know, you, you end up with the DAI, which is a yep. $1 value token. Um, and people are sort of minting them by locking up assets. So that's one side of things. Um, another one with Aave, you could deposit, say, Tether. So that's a $1 yep. token. Um, and people might want to borrow it for a while. So they might put up a volatile asset like um, Ether, borrow a Tether on yep. Aave because they think there's some turmoil coming in the ether markets. And this is a way of them kind of um, sitting that out without um, exiting the game completely. So that there are sort of systems where it makes sense. But the thing to remember is the uh, recent um, EU micro-regulations I believe actually make it prohibited to uh, allow staking of um, electronic money tokens. So uh, you're not allowed to stake them. Okay. I've said that they've, they've, so the EU has taken the approach that stable coins are primarily a payment system, not a speculation system. And So they, if I understood the MICA regulations, which I have now read six times, and it's only marginally more understandable to me than it is before and i've been very lucky
0: and, and keir don't tell me that chat gpt didn't help you on understanding. <laughs> i
1: <laughs> i don't find chat gpt that useful once you try to dig into things it's great for a quick initial summary when you actually want to dig down you need to talk to experts so i've been lucky there's some um, chaps over in lisbon uh the uh, university of lisbon and uh becas who have been very kind to give me some time to talk through some of the legal aspects. They're lawyers with an interest in crypto. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it's complicated stuff. And the regulation is not easy to understand. And it's immensely long. Um, and it's also misguided from the perspective that it doesn't really seem to fully understand how the game has changed with decentralization. It's still coming at everything from a, but surely there is an ultimate authority at the end that we can hold responsible. Surely, people can't be anonymous. They 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 equate anonymity with crime.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Here, here in Switzerland, uh, Finma Mm -hmm. last year came up with um, a suggested uh, very strict regulation around staking services and saying requiring. That um uh, they can only be offered by entities with a full banking license, and of course, mm-hmm. that uh, created an outrage um, uh, here in Switzerland, which is is um is a crypto nation if mm-hmm. you know. there are uh, over a thousand companies in the blockchain space, not all of them are in the finance space, but it is mm-hmm. definitely a big. Uh, uh a big hub uh, were you aware of that what is your thinking around this
1: yeah i hadn't seen that particular regulation until you drew my attention to it and that did give me some time to think about it and yes of course switzerland is one of the nations that is recognized as being crypto and blockchain friendly relatively speaking um compared to most of the countries out there um i do find this a bit odd Firstly, there are plenty of staking examples like the Ethereum one, which are clearly not banking related. They're more to do with um, sort of capital allocation than to do with uh, sort of, it's it's about making a system work, a technical system work, not about uh, speculating. And uh, the second one is that it doesn't seem to take into account the opportunity for anonymity right? I mean, this is the thing that the regulators miss time and time again, is there are plenty of people who just who want to be um, who want to comply with regulation, who want to be legal, who want to be honest and ethical and, but who are faced with such an onerous burden yeah. that the temptation is I can just deploy this contract through Tor anonymously. I can pipe the profits off to an address that I won't touch until I retire to the Cayman Islands or the Seychelles or something like that. And in any case, it's technically fascinating. So I want to do it. I mean, these are kind of motivations that you have. And when you've got that opportunity to do this stuff anonymously, very, very easily, the regulators need to make it so that um, it's in the interests of people who want to be honest, to be honest. And we, we see this across law, of course, there are bad laws that actually break the legal system because they are excessively onerous and people go well i'll just pay people under the table you know we'll just do handshake agreements and we'll avoid involving the law because it's too much of an expense and a hassle um and that regulation you mentioned from finma strikes me as one that is saying you know i'm if i i, I could launch a contract tomorrow that allows staking i'm not going to go out and get a banking license to uh, do so um, yeah. Yep. But okay. I could do it in 10 minutes anonymously. The founder of Bitcoin is still not known, right? They, it's like they've ignored the first person in blockchain and the example they've set in their regulations. So that would be my comment on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. A- a- again, I-, I highly appreciate how you um, uh, tie together your technical expertise uh, with um, uh I would say, philosophical understanding of the principles mm-hmm. and, and, and basically the, the incentive mechanisms that mm-hmm. exist in, in, in the market. Here we could talk for hours. I want to, uh, to close with asking you um, about your books mm-hmm. and uh, about what you're working on now, what you're excited about, and uh, also how many patents and how Mm -hmm. many children you're nurturing (laughs) and I'll put them parallel uh, uh, there did I ask too many things
1: no that's fine I'll answer them in reverse order so firstly I have uh, more patents than children uh, and I have eight children in total Uh, seven still live at home one just moved out at the end of last year so um and I currently I'm a named inventor on 43 patents I think, at the moment. What and blockchain? Uh, no, um, blockchain ones are probably about 20 of those because I've been inventing since uh, 2002 or 2003, um, and uh, and I personally own uh, 13 blockchain patents that I filed, came up with, invented, filed for, and uh, got granted um so that that that's the patent side of things um i mean i love patents it's like uh it's where law meets computer programming patents drafting patents is a bit uh, when you get to the claims part at the end it's a bit like writing a computer program in legalese so i love that um as for books well i've I've written several the one i think is worth mentioning on this if i may show it is uh, called evil tokenomics and it's a it's a pretty short read And as a result, it's priced cheaply and it covers all the sort of tricks of the trade that scammers can use in tokenomics to make a project seem like it is going somewhere and seem like it is above board and honest, when in fact it's just a personal enrichment exercise. And it's written uh, using a fictional character called Maximilian Sauneron, who's got him on the back there, who's walking you through how he's used ICOs and tokenomics to rip people off, because um, I thought that would make it more of an entertaining read. Um, and if you go to thinklair.com, you can find links to all my books.
0: Excellent. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. I definitely love books that are uh, animated and, and, you know, touch on, on uh, a lot of points that mm-hmm. um, uh, have some cynicism. And, and, and a big reality check and an mm-hmm. eye opener. So uh, I definitely think that a lot of angel investors for sure should oh, be yes. reading uh, these types of uh, books or other, you know, day traders that have launched into the DeFi or crypto world because of, you know, the hype and the excitement and, and the concept of um, diversification. Let's throw some darts and... You know, mm-hmm. even if one of these makes it, we, we'll be fine only to find out that um, that's that's not the case, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think anybody who's thinking of investing some of their money in a token project uh, should really read this. It's It's not long and it'll give them a lot more insight than browsing for alpha on various Discord channels.
0: Okay, so what are you excited about? What are you working on? If you can tell us this year, is there a specific area that that uh, you're zooming into in this uh, world of blockchain?
1: Yeah, well, I'm pretty much a generalist, so I kind of find topics that I find interesting and I dig deep into them, and then I move on to the next one, and because, and then that allows me to sort of connect the islands by having a bigger, broader view. Um, recently. I've been focusing mainly on security, and uh, I not- love
0: your your latest uh, video on mm-hmm. cyber security and CBDCs. I will put in the link for our audience, right, okay. uh, uh, to watch because obviously my audience talks uh, and thinks, hopefully thinks, uh, hears a lot about uh, CBDCs mm-hmm. and, and other forms of digital money like stable coins and so on. So it is a mm. big. Uh, a relevant issue. Well, thank you. Okay, Kier, thank you so much. It was a really great pleasure having you.
1: That's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it, Effie. Thank you.